Hello and welcome to Dusty's Hideaway. Dusty's Hideaway! I'm Dusty Limits and this is my podcast because that's what the world was crying out for, really, wasn't it? Another fucking podcast. In this show, <laughs> I will be interviewing some wonderful artists and friends and asking them about their work, the things that inspire them, and surprising things about which they are passionate. This podcast, as always, is dedicated to Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley! Who inspired it? Today, my guest is a dear friend, comedian, actor, burlesque artiste, host, and life model, the one and only Misty Vine! Yay! Misty Vine, hello, how are you? Thank you so much. I'm fine, Dusty. How are you? I'm not too bad. Okay, so for the listeners at home who might not be familiar with you and your work, uh, in which case I frankly pity them, I have some pro forma questions for you. Are you ready, Misty Vine? You know what? I'm just going to strap in and go along for the ride. Good philosophy. Okay, how would you describe your artistic work in one sentence? Now, it can be a long, compound, run-on sentence, but I want one sentence and I want lots of adjectives and adverbs. Points will be deducted for a lack of adjectives. I don't even know if I want to be in Gryffindor anymore. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of us are having very conflicted thoughts these days, aren't we? Um, anyway, so what do I do? I would say I'm kind of. I kind of feel like sometimes I'm the black ambassador for uh, performers and and uh, people alike. Because I've grown up in so many different places, you know, I grew up in the Caribbean, I grew up in Canada, I grew up, I was born here in the UK, I've lived in many different countries. So I have a really good sense of the world as it is. It's not just this little tiny island. I'm going to get there, don't worry. Um, it's not just this little tiny island of, of Great Britain, which is not so great at the minute, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> You know, there is a, there is a wider sphere that we really need to consider. When you when you take things down, when you when you and you get rid of you know some of the the the, the barriers that we put in front of ourselves, laughter is the most common. I make people laugh. How about that? That's it. That's where I. <laughs> I make people laugh. <laughs> That was 17 sentences, but yeah, we can go from there now. Okay, second question. <laughs> What do you think people think you're best known for? Because you've, you, you have a very long CV and you do all sorts of different things. You're a host, you're a comedian, you're a burlesque performer, uh, you know, you're a facilitator, you're a communicator, you're all these things. You sing, actually. Uh, just throwing that in there, overachiever. <laughs> Is there one thing you think people, like, instantly think of when they think Miss Divine? Um, that giant labia. <laughs> um, I think that comment probably requires a little bit more explanation. Or should we just leave it? Should we just leave it hanging? Let's just leave it, because that'll make them want to see me. They're like, "Oh, when's she going to show that giant labia?" <laughs> I've seen the labia in question, and they are indeed enormous. Wow, <laughs> that is one WAP. <laughs> We're not supposed to laugh over each other, but I don't think we're going to get very far with this. Okay, wow. Um, that, that, that's, um, we can post a link or something. Giant labia. Okay. 
How did you get into performing? Like, was there some kind of early formative experience, like when you were young, that inspired you, thought, I just want to do this? Or, or otherwise, was it more of a gradual slide into addiction? And in that case, what was the gateway drug? You know what? I think... <laughs> You're, gonna, you're not going to believe this, but religion was my gateway drug. Yeah. So when I was little, my grandmother used to drag me to church and I wasn't there so much for the religion. I was there for the, you know, the social aspect of it all. And then in Sunday school, they had us do recitations. So I remember the, it was Easter and that's probably about the time I stopped believing in God anyway. But yeah, I had to do this recitation about a present which all related to Easter somehow. It was all very tenuous as religion is, organized religion anyway. And um, I just remember, you know, going up and I had my little hat on and I was looking all cute and I had my little white socks, little white patent shoes and I was doing my little recitation and that, like, I think it was like eight, seven or eight. And I just remember going up there with my little package that I'd wrapped up on myself. And then I did my little bow, my hat fell off, the audience laughed and that was like, Oh, well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> that sort of set me on a, on a path to debauchery and anarchy. And thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's an uncommon experience, actually, for people with a religious upbringing to, to find the theatre of religion really intoxicating. Because it is, it's, I mean, I'm a Catholic or, you know, whatever. But, you know, that theatrical quality to Catholicism, for example, actually, I'm sure really inflected what I do on some level even though I don't believe in God or any of that stuff but yeah but it, it's the drama it's the drama that I adore costumes <laughs> wonderful quote by Tallulah Bankhead when she goes to see a Catholic mass and the priest is there you know with his robes on and he's swaying the censer with the incense and swaying that back and forth and she says afterwards to him she says darling I loved your frock but did you realize your handbag was on fire People that I wish I'd had the opportunity to meet. <laughs> Would have been besties, no question. Uh, right? Um, yeah, so that's kind of how, and then when I got to high school, actually, I, okay, I'll tell you a very, very funny story. I think it's hilarious. Um, some people might go, <gasps> but it, it, now it's funny. Anyway, uh, in one of my, in elementary school in like Canada, Western Canada, we had, we had a play, we had a school play, and uh, one of the girls, it was going to be Snow White, and I was going to be Snow White, let me tell you, I was going to be freaking, I'm the only black kid in the school, by the way, I was going to be Snow White, and so when this other girl got it, I was pissed off, I was so angry, I was like, I'm a better actor than her, like, why is she getting to be Snow White, and especially because the guy that was playing Prince Charming, I had a bit of a crush on him. Anyway, so I didn't get to be Snow White, so I was a bit, a little bit ticked off, you know, in my little 11-year-old, 12-year-old self, and uh, we, <laughs> so the, they thought, okay, you know what, we better put her in there. We, we have to put her in the play. So they put me in the play, and they put me as one of Aurora's sunbeams. Aurora is the goddess of the dawn, for those of you who don't know, and dawn starts when it's very, 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 very dark. Our costumes were bright yellow bodysuits and uh, tights. Now, you could see the other girls when we came on stage and we were dancing, floating, ferrying around. 
but you couldn't, you, all you could see of me was where the costume was. And I could hear my mother in the back really just laughing hysterically. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like, aren't I being fairy enough? You know, like, uh, no, uh, it was just, you couldn't, until the lights all came up, then you were like, oh! <laughs> so yeah, that was... Um... <laughs> just my, my heart breaks for 11-year-old Misty. Yeah, so obviously I was meant to be on stage, <laughs> clearly. You were born in the UK, but you, you grew up most of your early life in Canada, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Thing I've noticed about Canada that Canadians are brilliant about is it's it's one of those countries where it's kind of the butt of a lot of jokes. I've never been to Canada, but I've been to New Zealand, which also gets the same kind of treatment. And it's like if you actually go to these countries, they're wonderful countries. They have their problems, like all countries, but they're really extraordinary. And I think that taking the piss out of Canada or taking the piss out of New Zealand is really just about envy, because. I know which of those countries, you know, which of the countries in the world I'd like to live in right now. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> high five. <laughs> what is your star sign slash Patronus, and does that mean anything to you, or is it just a load of old nonsense? Now I know your star sign because you're a Pisces, like me. Like three days before you? No, three days after you. The, the funniest thing I always find is the people that I get along with the most are people within that star sign, which is weird like it's not like i go no so what's your star sign okay i can be your friend no it's not like that it's that you talk to them you're like oh my god i do that oh my god i do that okay hang on a second we didn't grow up like i met um this really lovely performer noeline labouche from uh i think she lives in berlin and we're sitting there we're talking and chatting and like having a good and i'm like oh my god and then she she said something about her birthday and like we're literally that we just that was the first time we'd ever met and we were just chat, 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 and like, oh, laughing, oh, it's funny, oh. and as as you can when, you know, one person speaks German as their first language, and, you know, I speak, barely speak English as, as my first language, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've learned living in London, I don't speak English, apparently, um, <laughs> but yeah, so we started talking, then, and then she, I was like, oh, so, what, you know, when is your birthday, and she told me, and I was like, oh, that's my birthday, and actually, Abby Collins and I share a birthday as well. Wow. We should form a gang. But, I mean, a, a gang of Pisces would be completely useless. We'd just drink too much wine, get really morose. We should change the world. Oh, I don't feel like it. How do we change the world? Let's just keep drinking. It'll come to us. <laughs> okay. And what do you make, since we are now, you know, in the, the, the realm of stellar things... What do you make of this headline from today's news? Now, this is from the BBC website. This is the headline. Is there life floating in the clouds of Venus? Mm, I know there's like pond scum floating on top of the Thames that flows into the Houses of Parliament. Uh, is life, well, it depends on what they describe as life. I mean, life could be anything that... And it's not even, you know, it doesn't have to be sentient. It could be like a tree or something. And I just now I have visions of trees just floating around <laughs> Venus or something, you know, like just surrounded by trees just floating in the air. Um, it depends It depends on what, what they think life is. I mean, we're all carbon-based, so... Because yeah, I, I looked this up because it, that sort of headline just is catnip to me. And what it is is they've detected via some, you know, magical telescope they've got that there's molecules of what's called phosphine 
floating around about 50 kilometres up from the surface of the planet. Now, the surface of Venus is is 400 degrees centigrade. Venus is, like, the the atmosphere is 90-something percent carbon dioxide. It is so hot that you would instantly combust if you were actually there and be crushed by the air pressure. So, so, nice little warning that too much carbon dioxide turns out not to be such a good thing. Um, But so there's these molecules floating around, and normally they're associated on Earth with living creatures. You know, what? maybe in like a million years we'll find out. I won't be here. I won't care. But I'm hoping. Maybe maybe that'll be a good thing, you know. Maybe maybe Venus will sort of, their, the temperature will stabilize and trees will start to grow and things will start to come out of the ooze. And then we'll do this whole experiment all over again. But instead of somebody orange running the U.S. We, we want to accelerate the evolutionary process in the clouds of Venus to create a, a race of sentient beings who can come and rescue us from ourselves. <laughs> and here we are. We welcome our Venusian overlords. <laughs> Another quick, quick litmus test question. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Do you know what? I would like the superpower where I am able to switch places with somebody. Ooh. Like I could just go up to them and, and you know, if they're if they're doing something sort of untoward, I'd just be like Whoosh! and they could see things from, you know, a different perspective. So would you be like um uh, what's she called in the X Men? No, 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 because she she doesn't switch places, she just takes on that person. I mean like literally that person I I would be able to step into them and they obviously once I kick them out of there they'd have to come into here. That's a really good power. Yeah, yeah, that would be my, uh, sh- not shape-shifting, it, what would it be called then? Body snatching. <laughs> I get it back. Eventually, pick one, like, big celebrity or, or person of influence, like, just to swap with, for the, let's say for 24 hours, you only get 24 hours. Who would I swap places with? Do you know who I would love to swap places with? Cardi B. <laughs> I would love to swap places with her for 24 hours. Just 24 hours. I'd just be like, she amazes me. Like, she just gives no fucks. She just gives no, like, none. Like, not even one. Like, there's no, like, her fucks list is empty. She's just like, bring it. (laughs) I I don't really know her work very much. I'm aware of the WAP kind of... uh... It's a sexy song. Anyone familiar with popular music dating back to the, you know, well, actually the entire history of music knows people write dirty, sexy songs from time to time, blues and jazz stuff, and it is filth. It is lovely. I I have one here. Oh, this one. Hang on. But if you ever get a chance, listen to this bad boy. Sugar in my bowl. Hard-driving mamas, vintage sex songs, 1923 to 1952. I'll give you just a sample. Um, Sam the hot dog man. Hot nuts, get them from the peanut man. Shave them dry version two. So clearly there was a version one. But yeah, it's got like Bessie Smith, Rosetta Tharp. Uh, Lil Johnson, Dinah Washington, Lucille Bogan, like just really good. Yeah, but yeah, if you get a chance, have a listen to that because it's still. And that's why the faux outrage is so boring. It's like you you guys have no clue. But the thing about Cardi B, and it's really juvenile of me, it's just, and I don't I don't know whether maybe it just doesn't mean anything in, in the US, but her first stage name is Cardi, which is like the least sexy garment mm. 
What's 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 something that old men like me wear? <laughs> Ooh, Cardi. Hmm. Let's Google Cardi. See what happens. Ah! <laughs> I think we now feel as though we think we know you as Miss Divine Performer Extraordinaire, but before we go to the next and more revealing section, it's time for Fun Fact Corner with Snuggles. Fun Fact Corner with Snuggles. For those who have been with us before, know what the section is about. For those who are new here at Dusty's Hideaway, or who have just tuned in specifically for our darling Miss Divine, we like to dedicate a section of our podcast to something we call Fun Fat Corner with Snuggles, where I like to share a fun, interesting, and slightly useless fact that in some way relates to our special guest. How that relates to them, however, is entirely up to you. Past fun facts have included Santa's beating up old ladies for chocolate, and spider penises. So, Miss Divine, are you ready for your fun fact of the day? I certainly am. Sorry, I'm still thinking about the giant labia. I'm telling you, that's what people know me for, a giant labia. I can't I can't do anything about it. That's like the best thing ever. Oh my god. Have you never seen it? Have you never seen my labia? I mean, I haven't been that close to you yet, babe. I'm sure we're going to, like, more so often. Eventually, eventually. Well, you'll see it, don't worry. Okay. Everybody's seen it. <laughs> Oh, I, I cannot wait to see the giant labia, the, the infamous labia. You will, you will want one. You will want one, and... Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, okay, right, no, the fun fact, God, is all about Canada. Did you know that apparently it is illegal to bring llamas to national parks? According to the Canadian National Parks Guide, is it illegal to bring llamas to any national parks? So therefore, the next time you go on a family trip, do not put a llama in your car, you will simply not be let in. Is that true, Misty? Well, my my llama lore is kind of not up to par, but I can't really see why you would want to bring a llama to a national park. What? You might want to see the park and the trees and the streams and the and the fishes. You think about llamas where they you know, they're like Peruvian. Like you know, I don't know how many of them have passports. <laughs> No, like I, I, you know, not being a llama aficionado, I, I, I guess that's the thing. <laughs> I, I will, I will have to, I will have to research on Google. You know, laws happen because there's a reason for laws to happen. So at yeah. some point, someone took a llama to the park and like, let it loose. Right. Speaking of laws, though, this is why I want to check with you on this one as well because I found this very funny, just because it's very ridiculous. Okay. <clears throat> Apparently, it's also illegal to accidentally scare a child or a sick person to death. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> Canada? Apparently, yeah. I mean, bloody Canadians trying to spoil our fun. I would have been locked up many, many, many times if that was the case. So, Or maybe they just never found out. Oh, my God. When people ask me that, that have you ever been convicted of a crime? Convicted? No. Never convicted. You know, one day some out-of-control lunatic took a llama to a park yeah. and then scared a, a child to death. Absolutely. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> right, that is me all done with baby gum. <laughs> Thank you, Snuggles. That was a fun fact indeed. Every day is a learning day. And now it's time for us to discuss your secret love. Secret love. 
something you're passionate about that isn't to do with your work and that might surprise people. If you do reference your work as a performer, I shall ring a small bell. That's actually my wine glass and this pencil. So, what is your secret love? My secret love is photography, actually. Photography. Photography, darling. Do you mean that you like looking at pictures of, of, of photographs? You like taking photographs? You like both? You're just all... I, I'm, not, I'm not an aficionado, as, as, as with the llamas, but I know what I like. So I first encountered An- An- Ansel Adams like when I was a young, when I was a little misty. And since then, you know, um, black and white photos and then Helmut, Helmut Newton, yeah. And you know, like that's the sort of black and white aesthetics. And then um, Annie, is it Leibovitz, Leibovitz? I can never remember. Just, it's a, when you see a really lovely photographic composition, it, it, it just actually, you know, it makes me tear up a little bit. Yeah, Misty's got a heart. Okay, so next question. Rate your level of obsession from one to seven. Well, one is mildly curious, which is, for example, my level of interest in dry stone walling. And seven is dangerously obsessed to the point it might consume your life. Uh, I would say I'm about a four and a half, <laughs> maybe five. Because if I say seven, like I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those techies that has like all the gear and stuff. I literally will go out and take like just a little point and shoot camera or my phone. And I'll just take these photos. And and, um, I was actually looking at some of them because my laptop broke. I had to get everything off it. And I was looking at the photos that were on. I'm like, actually, some of these are quite good. (laughs) You know, and again, it's about composition and it's about... Uh, color and lighting in a time of day. Oh, that, there's another fun fact you didn't know about me. I used to be an assistant for an architectural photographer, so I would have to set set design, that sort of stuff. And I was just like, and you know, taught me about lighting and and um, you know how to make uh, images look better. You know how to balance the lighting and you know like just all this really cool stuff. And so again, you know, that's just it, it's just stuff that you just you do it and then you just you start absorbing it and then you you start using it and and even like some of the um, I'm not going to say it because <laughs> then you'll ding your you'll ding your wine glass so forget it but yeah anyway so you know I just go around town and I take photos of things that I think I think are interesting like one of the saddest things that I've seen recently is a child's bicycle like a little kid's bike you know like little one locked up locked up to a, a bike thing and I was just like what kind of a society do we live in where somebody has to lock up their kid's bike yeah. like what kind of a freak are you that you want to steal a kid's like it doesn't make it like it's a little bike like you would look like a clown riding it if you were an adult and stole the bike like, and and I, I took a picture of it and I was just like this is where we are as a society and um it made me it made me rather sad actually because i was like wow that's 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 telling that's really really telling you know and and again you know like i said i've lived in different places like i lived in switzerland in switzerland they don't walk up there by like and you know it was on um it was on an estate and if you if you have your bike outside or even outside your house or you know just downstairs where you are supposed to keep bikes you don't have to lock them up nobody will steal it because they have a sense of duty to themselves and to other people which seems to be lacking over here like people just don't seem to care about each other as much or they you know they care about their family or they care about their friends but as a greater group unless something happens something specific happens 
to them, then all of a sudden they're a great proponent of that cause. But if it doesn't affect them, they don't care. Like, you know, and I, I, I always find that a little bit, like, how can you just be so tunnel visioned? You need to like look beyond and, and see what's out there and see, how can I help? How can I, you know, I, I get that everybody's happy and comfortable what they're doing, but once there's a sense of discomfort, then they take um, action as opposed to, you know, just being an ally all the time. And I'm not talking about being a black ally. I'm just talking like being, uh, you know, just caring about things that don't affect them directly. And I think that's why we are where we are, because a lot of people don't seem to understand that we are collectively one. Once we realize that, once we realize that helping each other on a daily basis will help us all in the, in the, in the long run, that's when change will start to happen. But until then, I think in societies that have have less economic inequality, you know, well, why would you steal a bike? You don't need to. We should all move to New Zealand or Canada. <laughs> or Vancouver. Are you like an old school photographer? Like, can you actually, like, do you use film, film cameras, or do you use... Do- I used to, that, well, so when I went to... When I, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I also have a diploma in communications. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> Well, that was time and money well spent. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so that's that's when I sort of uh, started to because they had photography, they had psychology. Um, what else did we have? We had creative writing, and so all these all these things that that you know, I thought oh, I'm never going to use those, and I, I I realize now that I kind of use them on a daily basis when I did, well, back when we were working. Um, uh, what was the question? <laughs> I've forgotten. <laughs> it was, are you, are you like an old school film photographer or? So yeah, so when I started, when I went to school, I, my uncle gave me his uh, little uh, Canon and I used to just wander around uh, Toronto um, taking photos of things and um, even when I went back to uh, Vancouver and I had a picture, I, I, but I want to show you this because it's really important. So, uh, as I said, I like to take photos of, of, you know, where we are as a society, in, in my head anyway. And I took this photo. I was walking down a back alley on the downtown east side, which is like, um, it's basically where, like, where drug dealers and, and prostitutes hang out. and I came across this image, and um, I'll show you because it's. I know I know people can't see it, but it's a bag. So it's a bag that's been. It's a it's a lady's bag. Um, I just found it there in the middle of the of of the of the pavement, and it's a woman's bag. And amongst all the needles, there's lipstick, uh, eyeshadow, and a piece of gum and a tampon. And I and I was just like, and it, for me, it's quite an impactful photo because. Everybody always thinks of druggies as, as subhuman, but yeah. this this photo, you know, lipstick, eyeshadow, tampon, and needles, you know, like it's just a, and and a purse, like a really cute purse. So I, you know, I, I for me, it, it humanizes. They, these are people. These are people. 
that's the thing. And one of the things that I have been doing as well through lockdown, and actually, you know, since I left Vancouver, is there's a downtown east side charity that I contribute to. Um, I just send them like a couple, a couple of pounds every, you know, every so often um, because it, it basically pays for therapy for people. Um, it pays for people to get clean. They have like a little counseling center. Um, they can get medical care. Uh, yeah, because I figure, you know, and this is what I was talking about earlier, where because I think a lot of people don't see it or they choose not to see it doesn't mean it's not there. And if I can contribute to getting somebody off the street or, you know, getting them some help, that's, you know, that's why, that's why, I think that's why I'm here is to help people to, to help make the world a better place. I just want world peace. It's very interesting because as you say, people who are down on their luck, as, as used to be the expression, are so often dehumanized, especially in a kind of brutal system like the one that we live under. And it's a it's, it's a kind of Victorian idea. It's their fault. It's a moral failing on their part and not to do with structural inequality on a scale that should be inciting a revolution, to be honest. And speaking of the Victorians and a totally seamless segue, I have a, a, a wonderful photographer friend who has taken a lot of my best pictures. And uh, because I was obsessed with it, we did this um, this experimental photo shoot where I was trying to recreate the appearance of Victorian post-mortem photography. He also does these things called tintypes where, you know, he paints a piece of metal with an emulsion and then there's a very, very, very long exposure because that's how the technology works. And you have to sit perfectly still throughout the exposure. And it's like, now I understand why Victorians in kind of the 1850s look so miserable in photographs. It's not because they're unhappy. It's because your face over the course of the exposure naturally relaxes and you end up jowly and looking a little bit pissed off with the world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I actually got to use one of those, um, the, the larger format cameras once. It was quite interesting because, you know, I, I like I said, I only ever use like little point and shoot, um, even, you know, I'm talking instamatic cameras like that's back when I know with the flash bulb that turned. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I, uh, <laughs> you remember. <laughs> I'll, I'm I'm going to get you a Polaroid camera for your birthday because they're so hip. Ten years ago, I, I do like a good Polaroid. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke that millennials won't understand at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> a motherfucker of an edit because we <laughs> rule of don't laugh over each other. I mean, this this is going to consist entirely of laughing. <laughs> so. Yay! Yay! Um, to bring things back full circle, and so I know I will put down my big dinger. Oh, hello. <laughs> Do you think your secret love of photography relates to your profession in some way? Is there an overlap? Is there a connection? Does one feed into the other? Ha-ha! See, I was going to say this earlier, but I knew you were going to ding me, but now you're not going to ding me, so I'm going to tell you. So um, I do sometimes, you know, between costume changes, I do uh, get the opportunity to take photos of performers and then I just send them to them. And sometimes they get used, sometimes they don't. It's fine. But yeah, I'm, I'm always pleased when I see one of my photos. I love a good backstage photo, especially when the person in the photo is they do that wonderful thing performers where they're like oh i'm putting on my makeup and i'm pretending i'm not aware that you're taking a picture and i'm giving you my natural face and i'm thinking you are so you're not <laughs> i mean i do it myself i never no no i always i always ask 
first before I take a photo. And, um, you know, I'm like, do you mind if I take photos of, of your performance and I'll send them to you after? And a lot of people, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And I've, I've got some really lovely backstage photos, obviously, you know, with the producers and, and the stage kittens and things like that. And I, we have moments. It's nice. It's nice because it's also, it's also another way of, of actually bonding with people, you know, and, and it's also, you know, it helps because once you get to a certain age, you start forgetting stuff. So it's always, it's always, oh, I don't remember that. When did that happen? You have a couple too many glasses of wine. You're like, when did that happen? I don't remember that. Who took this photo? Oh, that was me taking the photo. Okay. There's a picture of, you know, me 10 years ago backstage or on stage or at the bar or something. And I'm thinking, I have literally no recollection of this. I think it's a deep fake, actually. I think most of what's going on today is it, it, it can't be it can't be real. It's a deep fake. All of it. It's a deep fake. All of it. All of it. We're gonna wake up tomorrow and it'll all have gone away. It'll all have been a dream, and Patrick Duffy will be coming out of the shower. I, I just remember that moment because I was not a big fan of Dallas. Obviously, I like Dynasty. You can tell that. But uh, I just remember Patrick Duffy in the shower and being quite a, a formative moment for me. <laughs> Okay. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything up and coming or your website or stuff like that? I'll put all the links on the on the description anyway, so, you know. Um, no, I've, nah, I'm fine. I've actually, actually, you know what I would like to say is even if you're not working as a performer and you see other people, you know, plugging shows, just, you know, put a link on your, on your Facebook page, do, you know, like help each other out. That's all you need to do. I mean, even if you, if you can't attend, that's cool, but you know, get the word out so that we can start working again. And, you know, even if it's like underground, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to help. You know, I'm here. I'm here to help. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> you are so Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell the English. <laughs> I'm off to found the Royal Canadian Llama Police. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so much better than the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, to be honest. I just like to see these guys in their little red and brown uniforms riding a llama. And on that note, we must say a great big thank you to the gorgeous Misty Vine. Thank you very much for having me. I really had a good time. It's been a, it's been, it's been, a, it's been an education. <laughs> Dusty's Hideaway. You've been listening to Dusty's Hideaway with me, Dusty Limits, Sebastian Snuggles Angelique, and this time round, our gorgeous guest, the fabulous Misty Vine. If you like what you heard, please do check out our website links and other links in the description. Written by Mark McInnes and Oliver Retter. Produced by Mark McInnes. All rights reserved.